When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Howdy, everybody. This is CJ in November of 2023, and I'm going to share with you here a bonus episode I made all the way back in, I believe, 2017, which is tragically more relevant today even than it was back then. So this is an episode which normally lives behind the paywall in Patreon and Subscribestar for supporters of my work there. But I'm going to share it on the public feed for a limited time just because I feel that it is so timely, like I was alluding to a moment ago. So this is going to be Mark Twain's War Prayer. This is one of the shorter bonus episodes I've ever made, but I did just want to take the opportunity here to remind you that if you enjoy and value the work that I do here on the Dangerous History Podcast, and if you'd like access to all kinds of stuff not available to the general public normally, please consider supporting my work via Patreon or Subscribestar, and depending on your level of contribution, the goodies, the kickbacks, the rewards you get will include things like access to the first 52 episodes of the podcast, which are no longer available to the public, what I call vintage DHP, as well as special bonus episodes not available to the public like this one, but many others as well, including some fairly long and dense ones. You can also potentially get access to live streams with me and even the DHP book club, which we conduct over Zoom. So all of those perks and more are available to you, should you sign up to support my work via Patreon or Subscribestar, and of course, depending on your level of contribution. And I'm also going to reissue this episode to the Patreon and Subscribestar supporters as well, just because there's a lot of people I'm sure who are supporters now who were not back in 2017. And I know not everybody goes through the whole back catalog and whatever. So even if, let's say, you've been a supporter of mine for a few years via Patreon or Subscribestar, there's a good chance you may not have gone back and listened to all of the old bonus episodes. You may not have listened to this one from 2017. So I'm reissuing this for supporting listeners as well, just to throw it at the top of the feed for them so that they have a chance to hear it if they've never heard it before, or if, you know, they're a longtime supporter and haven't listened to it since it came out in 2017. Because again, looking around at the world right now, it is disturbingly timely, this episode. And it seems like a lot of the people who didn't fall for the Ukraine war propaganda, uh, you know, in the U.S. are now falling wholeheartedly for the Israeli war propaganda in the U.S. And of course, there's also a fair number of people that are both that were, you know, war hawks on the Ukraine thing and wanted America to do more and now feel the exact same way about the Israel thing. And to protect my own mental health, what, you know, to, to cling to my mental health as I rebuild it from rubble, I'm trying to be very, very careful about how much news I consume and about how much time I spend on social media, because both the news and social media are cesspools of vitriolic hatred and war propaganda right now, and I can only take so much of it in my fragile state that I'm still in. 
Hi everybody, CJ here. Welcome to this, what will end up being a relatively short, I think, Patreon bonus episode, and just something I wanted to share with you prior to my upcoming bonus episodes on the naval aspects of the not-so-civil war, which, by the way, I think within just a few days I'll be able to record the first part of that. It'll end up being a two-part series. I'm going to do one episode about all aspects of the naval not-so-civil war other than the blockade and how the Confederates tried to cope with it and its effects and so on. And then that'll be part two, covering the blockade and its effects and so on. But for this little episode, I just wanted to share with you and to read to you, because it's old enough that it's in the public domain, one of Mark Twain's lesser-known pieces, a piece that he wrote in 1905, so only five years before his death, during a period where he was particularly concerned with America's increasingly imperial turn. He had been an outspoken anti-imperialist ever since the days of the Spanish-American and Philippines Wars. And he was bothered by how imperialistic the country was going and how much the general public seemed to be being just whipped up into war and imperialist fever, into militarism and jingoism, as they would have called it back then. And so he wrote this piece in 1905. Some of you may have heard of it. Some of you may have read it before. I'm hoping some of you haven't. It'll be new to you. And I'm hoping that even those of you who are familiar with this piece will enjoy hearing my reading of it. It's called The War Prayer. It was written in 1905, and yet it was not published until 1923, which was actually 13 years after the death of Mark Twain. And according to several people who were close to him, he decided to not publish it under pressure from a bunch of close people, including family members and and uh you know, business associates who basically said this is too radical and controversial. And so it was not published until 13 years after his death. Mark Twain's illustrator, Dan Beard, said that he asked Twain about whether he was going to publish this piece or not, and that Twain replied, No, I have told the whole truth in that, and only dead men can tell the truth in this world. It can be published after I'm dead. And it was not published until 1923 in an anthology entitled Europe and Elsewhere. I share with you now The War Prayer by Mark Twain. It was a time of great and exalting excitement. The country was up in arms, the war was on, and every breast burned the holy fire of patriotism. The drums were beating, the bands playing, the toy pistols popping, the bunched firecrackers hissing and spluttering. On every hand and far down the receding and fading spread of roofs and balconies, a fluttering wilderness of flags flashed in the sun. Daily the young volunteers marched, down the wide avenue, gay and fine in their new uniforms, the proud fathers and mothers and sisters and sweethearts cheering then with voices chalked with happy emotion as they swung by. 
Nightly, the packed mass meetings listened, panting to patriot oratory, which stirred the deepest deeps of their hearts, and which they interrupted at briefest intervals with cyclones of applause, the tears running down their cheeks the while. In the churches, the pastors preached devotion to flag and country, and invoked the god of battles, beseeching his aid in our good cause, in outpourings of fervid eloquence which moved every listener. It was indeed a glad and gracious time, and the half-dozen rash spirits that ventured to disapprove of the war and cast doubt upon its righteousness, straightway got such a stern and angry warning that for their personal safety's sake they quickly shrank out of sight and offended no more in that way. Sunday morning came. Next day the battalions would leave for the front. The church was filled. The volunteers were there, their young faces alight with martial dreams. Visions of the stern advance, the gathering momentum, the rushing charge, the flashing sabers, the flight of the foe, the tumult, the enveloping smoke, the fierce pursuit, the surrender, then home from the war, bronzed heroes, welcomed, adored, submerged in golden seas of glory. With the volunteers sat their dear ones, proud, happy, and envied by the neighbors and friends who had no sons and brothers to send forth to the field of honor, there to win for the flag or failing, die the noblest deaths. The services proceeded. A war chapter from the Old Testament was read. The first prayer was said. It was followed by an organ burst that shook the building, and with one impulse the house rose with glowing eyes and beating hearts and poured out that tremendous invocation. God the All-Terrible, Thou who ordainest, thunder thy clarion and lightning thy sword. Then came the long prayer. None could remember the like of it for passionate pleading and moving and beautiful language. The burden of its supplication was that the ever-merciful and benignant father of us all would watch over our noble young soldier and aid comfort and encourage them in their patriotic work. Bless them, shield them in the day of battle and the hour of peril, bear them in his mighty hand, make them strong and confident, invincible in the bloody onset, help them to crush the foe, grant to them and their flag and country imperishable honor and glory. An aged stranger entered and moved with slow and noiseless step up the main aisle, his eyes fixed upon the minister, his long body clothed in a robe that reached to his feet, his head bare, his white hair descending in a frothy cataract to his shoulders, his seamy face unnaturally pale, pale even to ghastliness. With all eyes following him and wondering, he made his silent way. Without pausing, he ascended to the preacher's side and stood there waiting. With shut lids, the preacher, unconscious of his presence, continued his moving prayer and at last finished it with words uttered in fervent appeal. Bless our arms, grant us the victory, O Lord our God, Father and Protector of our land and flag. The stranger touched his arm, motioned him to step aside, which the startled minister did, and took his place. During some moments, he surveyed the spellbound audience with solemn eyes in which burned an uncanny light. Then, in a deep voice, he said, I come from the throne bearing a message from Almighty God. The words smote the house with a shock. If the stranger perceived it, he gave it no attention. 
He has heard the prayer of his servant, your shepherd, and will grant it, if such be your desire, after I, his messenger, shall have explained to you its import. That is to say, its full import. For it is like unto many to the prayers of men, in that it asks for more than he who utters it is aware of, except he pause and think. God's servant and yours has prayed his prayer. Has he paused and taken thought? Is it one prayer? No, it is two. One uttered, the other not. Both have reached the ear of him who heareth all supplications, the spoken and the unspoken. Ponder this, keep it in mind. If you would beseech a blessing upon yourself, beware. Lest without intent you invoke a curse upon a neighbor at the same time. If you pray for the blessing of rain upon your crop which needs it, by that act you are possibly praying for a curse upon some neighbor's crop which may not need rain and can be injured by it. You have heard your servant's prayer, the uttered part of it, I am commissioned of God to put into words the other part of it, the part which the pastor and also you in your hearts fervently prayed silently. And ignorantly and unthinkingly, God grant that it was so. You have heard these words, Grant us the victory, O Lord our God. That is sufficient. The whole of the uttered prayer is compact into those pregnant words. Elaborations were not necessary. When you have prayed for victory, you have prayed for many unmentioned results, which follow victory, must follow it, cannot help but follow it. Upon the listening spirit of God the Father fell also the unspoken part. He commandeth to put it into words. Listen. O Lord our Father, our young patriots, idols of our hearts, go forth to battle. Be thou near them, with them, in spirit. We also go forth from the sweet peace of our beloved firesides to smite the foe. O Lord our God, help us to tear their soldiers to bloody shreds with our shells. Help us to cover their smiling fields with the pale forms of their patriot dead. Help us to drown the thunder of the guns with the shrieks of their wounded, writhing in pain. Help us to lay waste their humble homes with a hurricane of fire. Help us to wring the hearts of their unoffending widows with unavailing grief. Help us to turn them out ruthless with their little children to wander unfriended the wastes of their desolated land in rags and hunger and thirst, sports of the sun, flames of summer, and the icy winds of winter. Broken in spirit, worn with travail, imploring thee for the refuge of the grave, and denied it. For our sakes who adore thee, Lord, blast their hopes, blight their lives, protract their bitter pilgrimage, make heavy their steps, water their way with tears, stain the white snow with the blood of their wounded feet. We ask it in the spirit of love of him who is the source of love and who is the ever faithful refuge and friend of all that are sore, beset and seek his aid with humble and contrite hearts. Amen. Ye have prayed it. If you still desire it, speak. The messenger of the Most High waits. It was believed afterwards that the man was a lunatic because there was no sense 
in what he said. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He has trampled out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible sword. His truth is marching on. Just by the dim and flaring lamps, his day. 